You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. Unschooling is also about social justice. And raising free people is about social justice. And social justice doesn't only happen by osmosis. We want to remove power, domination, control from how we relate to young people. But it's not a bubble. You know, we're not creating a bubble. We're not living with young people who think everything is just beautiful and it's flowers and butterflies and there's no wealth inequality and social injustice and racism and patriarchy and homophobia and all those things. It's all there and we've absorbed it and we practice it. Why race becomes an issue in unschooling is like you like, everybody who unschools is like, we're so different from the system. We like beyond that, we pass that. So you don't really turn back and look and be like, you know what, even though I'm past that, I'm still a white middle-class person in a privileged area, and I haven't actually thought about other things, you know? Or I'm a brown person living in upper-middle-class South Africa, but I'm just saying an example, you know? Thanks, Mom. How many of you feel a bit uncomfortable, disrupted, maybe displaced, um, your feet not quite firmly on the ground? You just want to raise your hands up if you feel that, yeah. Yes, I get it. And to you, I say congratulations. And I say that because now we've begun the hard work. This is the work. It's, it's not simply coming and gathering together, consoling ourselves, singing to the choir, that we have it down pat. I come here, I add a little, you know, I put some tools in my, my toolkit, and that's it. I figure this out. But it doesn't quite work that way. When Doberry says, the impeded stream is the one that sings. So it's when we meet the obstacles, is when we encounter the shadows that our work finally begins. That was an excerpt from Zakia Ismail's unschooling conference here in Johannesburg. My family and I went this year. I had the pleasure of being able to co-facilitate some aspects of that conference. One of the ways that I was able to do that was by being a part of this panel around raising free people, raising aware people. I mentioned it a little bit on last week's episode that I was super excited about this one. Now, this is going to be the first series for season four. So you'll be hearing some more episodes that are connected to this specific topic. And I'm also going to put all of those together so that you can listen to series separately from, you know, other aspects of the podcast. All right. That's a part of that new, new. Hi, that we're doing this year. <laughs> so Zakia brings up a topic that is constantly on the minds and mouths of those of us who understand that unschooling is a part of social justice work, whether we understood that immediately or whether you're like me, who I came to that realization after focusing on unschooling as being just about education. So when we recognize or we already know that a lot of the same things we talk about here on this podcast around raising free people. So power, what that looks like, privilege, what that looks like, domination, control, oppression, liberation. When we work to 
operate differently as parents and educators in this realm, there's some challenges here. And that's what we're going to talk about. It's not as easy as recognizing and then shifting. When you are trying to raise free people and you want your children to have certain awarenesses that this freedom is not about just them doing whatever to whomever, how do you do that without using those same tools of oppression? What do you do when you're pushing back against the very same things that you don't want to do anymore in terms of parenting and relationship, but those are the things you know how to use to get people, especially children, to do what you want. And when that what you want is something that feels perfectly rational and important, like sharing certain cultural values or you know, imparting wisdom, the things that we adults believe we have so much of, how do we do that in ways that are not about using tools of oppression? That's what we're talking about. That's what the panel discussion was about. It was wonderful. We had a group of young people and a group of adults, including Bio Akomalafe, Teresa Graham Brett, Zakia Ismail. I think those were the, and myself, those were the only adults on the panel. On the show notes page for today, which you're going to want to go to because I'm going to put the link to the full panel discussion. You just heard a tiny snippet. The full panel discussion with all of us is on the Growing Minds YouTube page. One of the main things that Zakia does through the Growing Minds umbrella is learning Reimagine conference each year. So the show notes page is raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 102. You will get those details there. Also need to say what up to my newest patrons. This is how awesome y'all are. Even though we were off season, I was still getting patrons, (laughs) which says a lot about the quality of these conversations and the reach that they have. So thank y'all so much. So let me just say what up to our newest patrons. Back in September, we had Michelle join us. Welcome, Michelle. In October, we had Antonio. What up, Antonio? In November, we had Erin and Katrina. Welcome. And then January, the very first day we came out, January 17th for this season, Christine joined us. Christine, thank you so much for just coming through soon as we launched season four. That felt really good. (laughs) Patreon.com forward slash A-K-I-L-A-H. Check it out. I've changed the format of that significantly so that everyone has access to everything. People with more money don't get access to more things. That's just one of the shifts that I have been making in my own life, realizing the things that I believe in and doing what I can to ensure that I'm not participating in those things that don't go with my beliefs, like unschooling. One of the primary ways that I started working in the direction of the things that I believe in and moving away from the things that I don't. So that's what's happening over at Patreon. What you're about to hear now is the conversation that Zakia and I had a while after the conference, after we really got to sit and be with this Raising Free People, Raising Aware People idea and concept, and to start to talk about some of the things that we've been hearing about and thinking about. And we're also inviting you to share what Raising Free People, Raising Aware People work looks like, and I'll talk about how during this conversation. So enjoy. Learning Reimagined, Unschooling is Decolonization. When I was working on the program, I felt like there was definitely a need to have some kind of discussion around 
you know, raising free people at the same time raising aware people. But, you know, that was an evolution of coming to raising free people, mm-hmm. raising aware people. <laughs> and the evolution finally happened Sunday morning. You know, I, I felt like I'd gained so much from the Raising Free People podcast mm-hmm. and from many of the other unschoolers' blogs and advice about parenting. There's definitely a need for us to find those spaces that resonate outside of the dominator parenting model. What does partnership parenting look like? Yeah. Because um, it's not natural because we come through a dominator parenting model. So having you and Teresa there and Bio, I just knew these are the right people to have this discussion. And why I knew that this was the right, these are the right people is in my own parenting, I found it really important to have children that were aware, aware of the unconscious biases that they absorb about themselves and their own identities and also what they then put out onto other people to identify their levels of privilege, all of us actually. And what I found was that there's no spaces that I can tap into to help me understand how do I raise aware people without transgressing the very principles of raising free people. Exactly. And I have hundreds of examples of how (laughs) I've transgressed. I can tell you how not to do it. And that's so important. Like, of course, when you brought it up, we were like, hell yeah, we need to have this conversation because if I'm coming from this space, if I'm steeped in the exact thing that motivates me to raise my children in this way, what tools and language do I draw upon? Yeah. Particularly when we talk about cultural values, right? Mm-hmm. Even values, like yes, just the idea of the values. term values. Yeah. yeah what, doing this sort of work the ways that we were raised and the cultures that um, we grew up in have these very specific ideas of values and including parenting, but outside of that. So if we come from that space, then what do we have to draw from to say, okay, this thing feels important to me, my child. And so I think it would be important to you, or maybe I want it to Mm -hmm. be important to you, or it's going to be whether you recognize it or not. So then how do I introduce you to this thing in a way that isn't sit down, take the shit, act like this, Mm. blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is, it's such an important conversation to have. And I don't think, I think it's important to say early on, I do not think that it's impossible. Like the way that I think unschooling in school is impossible. I don't think this one is impossible. No, it's not. Which is why we're having this conversation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think... Well, it is an exploration because so little has been documented, shared. And even like, I, I don't think we, the, I know we're not the first parents to be thinking around that, <laughs> but I think it hasn't been spoken about. People wonder about it. People who are trying to raise aware people think about these things and it's just not something that gets any airtime. Yes. So it is very much an exploration, the start of many discussions. (laughs) Yes, Yes. and that's exactly what this is. So that's why when Zakia brought it up, I was like, oh shit, first of all, I like how it sounds, right? Raising free people, raising aware people. But this isn't just this episode. Like we're going to do this series around it and I'm inviting the conversation as well. We want to talk to other people who are having these discussions 
to explore some of the ways that people have found maybe effective or deeply ineffective. You know, as Zakia said, and I could echo that sentiment, Marley and Sage can give you several examples of how not to do it because their mama has done it. But this is why we're inviting the conversation. So y'all know this. Go to AkilaSRichards.com or RaisingFreePeople.com. There's a voice memo there. Let's talk about it because we do want to really take part in expanding this dialogue, broadening the dialogue. I mean, I think unschooling itself doesn't naturally lend itself to being raised away, but many of us are pretty conscious and intentional that our unschooling is located within a social justice framework and social justice begins at home. (laughs) Hello. And so we just, like, how do we just normalize it so that we, we ourselves can be raising free people without transgressing our own values? Yes. Yes. I think that one of the discussion points inside of it is the recognition of self as separate from child, right? Even though we are in a family, even though we are a community, you know, we're a tribe or team, we're a unit, whatever phraseology feels good. The things that are important to me, they're not necessarily going to be important to my kids. Chris and I talk about this all the time, specifically around the idea of blackness. So our idea of blackness, mine and Chris's, is very different than Marley's and Sage's ideas of blackness. And that's something that I attacked for a long time with the girls. You know, they're very much into Asian culture because K-pop, you know, because anime, because manga, all of these things. And even in my ongoing evolving wokeness, (laughs) it was still like... Y'all don't do this. You know this, but you don't know that. You don't know this song, but Mm. you know this song. Yeah. You know, these very like boxy ideas. And I'm the same person who's up in this bitch. Like blackness is not a monolith. But as you said, Mm. right, when it comes to our kids and the idea of transference of values and all of these things that are important to us and are also how people judge us and our kids, it's so difficult to recognize when you're doing it. I usually recognize it. After. After. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hindsight. <laughs> yes. Well, we have the luxury of always going back to saying to our kids, you know, I got that wrong. Yes. I mean, I think that's my I'm sorry is like a frequently used <laughs> phrase yep. with much consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Same. Mm. Same. And that we're sorting it out together and that there isn't this one definitive way in my mind's eye around it, right? Because you're dealing with people. So like yes. each of your kids, even, it would be a different approach. But I but I even caution, I even pause at the idea of saying, like, what is the approach to my kids? Because then that's going to put it in a different perspective right away to be like, oh, I'm in this position of power. So if it's my kid, as opposed to if I wanted to talk to you as another adult yes. about this thing, what would my approach be? But the thing different. Is, but but maybe it yeah. needs to be because I don't give a shit. Ultimately, if you end up deciding you grow, yeah. you, you know, you are who you are. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can affect change in a different way. Whereas with my kids, it feels like a responsibility. Mm. So maybe that's one of the things to question as well. Like, is it? Is, what is my responsibility yes. in that space yeah. of raising an aware person? And then the other thing is. 
the different ages that they at also require different approaches. Totally. I know I was very guilty of bringing in things really out of fear and panic. <laughs> you know, when one of my uh, children expressed something that I felt reflected a view that didn't resonate with our identities. Whereas now it's much easier to say, you know, you know, I could bring up what makes me uncomfortable. I could bring up language. We can share articles with each other. Yes. And it's very much a two-way process now that they're much older. And tell us how old. So Michaela's 12 and then 19 and 20. <laughs> yeah. So much older. But I think from, I think from 10, when, since Michaela's about 10, the dialogue got much easier. She would happily disagree with me, but I knew that she was going to process. And that was more important than coming to the same space that I am at, that she would process, she would get to a space. So she was living in integrity with her own values. Yes. You know, so many times I get shown up, (laughs) which I love. I want to be shown up so I can, that's the only time you become aware of something that that's when you can change what you do. Oh, y'all hear this white people? You hear this? (laughs) Yeah, you do need to develop that thick skin and boy, it's necessary. Like that is how you move into being in right relationship with people yes, um, and yourself and, the, you know, the whole world, not just people, nature, like all of it, when you're called out. One example I can think of is dance for Marley is really important. And a lot of the choreography that she studies is um, K-pop. So I'm like, you don't know no Beyonce? You don't know no, I mean, come on, like Rihanna, yeah. like all these people yeah. who are... I bring that up from a space of, okay... With Marley, she recognizes a lot of bias in K-pop and calls it out. So then I have an opportunity to say, hmm, so if you're looking at dance and you're looking at this particular type of dance and you're only looking in these spaces, then you know you're getting like a copy of a copy of a copy because you've even said yourself, there's so much influence here. Be with that. You know, like I don't need to give her a solution. Yes. I need to check in on like my own stuff or even say, you know, I, you know, I don't fuck with that. So that's why I'm bringing this up because I'm like all up in the beehive and I think you mm. need to learn her choreography. Blah, blah, blah. I can say those things from a very real and honest space that I'm not trying to be this perfect parent saying, hey, you know, you need to. Da, 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 da. Yeah. It is personal, but I'm also calling out something that I see. And because we have that type of relationship, because she does that for me as well she's not putting it in this framework of like me trying to oppress her with my idea of whatever the hell. It doesn't mean she's going to switch over now and look for Yance and reread choreography necessarily, but she's processing what I'm saying and I'm processing her response. And then it's an ongoing dialogue. Yes. I want to come back to what you said earlier as, you know, you would speak to your children and so would I differently then we would speak maybe to each other, right? I personally don't think so much of that is about power because I know my children call me out in a way that I know they would never call their friends out (laughs) or anybody else. Good point. That's our relationship. (laughs) And it's not so much of of a power thing. Or I think, you know, the same incident in two different families, one could be exact same words, etc. One could be a power thing and the other one would be that's the relationship. Yes. And only you can judge. And it's something 
we could think about is what was I using my power there or is that consistent with when we even discuss whether we're putting cheese in something, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then an aspect of that is developing the, the call-out relationship, the call-out language, right? That's going to be different based on each person's personality yes. and not just the kids, yours also, because yes. you're a factor. Mm. Looking at it from that, the perspective of what our relationship dynamics are. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you brought up social justice in the mix, because for us, mm -hmm. in our family, that helps us minimize, I don't want to say personalizing it, because I don't, I think that whole thing is fuckery, like everything is personal. I'm a person. Like, yes. what the hell? Yeah. But because we have that language and that relationship, we're looking at it like, oh, okay, she's defending or he's defending an issue. That's important to them. Not, okay, well, she's tripping because I did this thing. Like we really look at a lot of things as issue centered. What is mm -hmm. the core issue here? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is about oppression. This is about co-opting. This is about that. In our family, we use these mm -hmm. terminologies so that it's not like, Marley, I have a problem with you as a human doing this thing. It's like, oh, here's this thing that feels important to me. And I, I'm observing what you're doing. And I translate that as this. And we talk about that. We even use that term. I translate that to mean this because it honors the fact that that might not be how, what the intention was. That's just how it's yeah. landing for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, so much of our language is designed around privilege. So much of our language, we aren't aware of it. So I know at some point the boys were using the word retard frequently, mm. all the time. And it was part of the culture of gamers. I think it's it was meant to mean you're doing something stupid. Mm -hmm. Nobody that I was aware of was using it really to be insulting to people with any kind of mental disabilities or cognitive disabilities, actually. Yeah. And bringing it up made them really defensive. It was a difficult situation. It, it got ugly with both of us and... I realize how difficult it is sometimes for us to see our privileges. And so here we are, a family where nobody suffers with any kind of cognitive disability or difficulty. Mm -hmm. So we actually don't see that. And so we can't see how it's hurtful because, you know, I've never met anybody like that. So obviously I don't mean them. That was a difficult one. Even at the conference, I think about three days before somebody messaged me to ask me if the venue is wheelchair friendly. And, you know, in all the times I went to the venue, I never looked. Yeah. I don't see people in wheelchairs. <laughs> That's my privilege. Yeah. I replied to say, I'm really embarrassed to say I've never once looked. I'll check with the venue. I'll get back to you. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. Everybody, no matter how marginalized you are in some ways, have privilege in other Absolutely. ways. And so we all have this general responsibility to see our privilege, see our marginalization, see other people's marginalization. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any formula and I don't think there's an end point. Because it's like the more you discover them, the more yes. <laughs> you discover yes. more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And not in a way that uh, hopefully that doesn't sound like, oh, my God, despondency. It's important. In terms of dealing with it from the space of parenting, especially as your children get older, you know, when they're not five or six yeah. or seven, I think it is important to make that connection around privilege in particular, because I know for my kids, 
it's important for them to feel like I'm not attacking them for not getting something right. Yeah. You know, quote unquote mm-hmm. right, or just not knowing something the same yeah. way that as a friend, I could call someone out or a friend can call me out and be like, yo, that was ridiculous because this thing, and then you can say, oh shit, I'm so embarrassed or that hasn't come up for me. Mm. Um, I just did a, um, an 11 day parenting challenge, just finished up on Instagram, walk these words. And one of the folks who participated, and I do not know the, the right pronouns. I don't know the pronouns. I, I, I'm going to say they, I want to say that I've seen they, um, for what they use. And almost everybody that participated identified as a mother. So I wrote something in response to someone's prompt and I said, mothering. When I use the term mothering, it's not like motherhood. It's not the same thing. Mm. But for that person, they were like, I'm not a mother. But I used what I knew to say, oh, to me, you present as a female. And since you're doing this thing. And when they said that, I was like, I really apologize. And I'm not, you know, I just made that assumption. And it really made me check that thing in a way that wasn't about them saying something to me. I didn't make it about my feelings or whatever, that it was a public space opportunity. So similar thing with my kids. Absolutely. Yeah. If we're working towards an inclusive world, then every level of awareness that you gain is an opportunity for you to engage with more people in a way that that includes you and includes them. Yes. And so I think it's not really about the embarrassment of, oh, I didn't know this, or it really is about, yes, more people, more to learn from. Yeah. And to be with those feelings, because that's the other thing too, with um, sometimes when, when we are doing this raising free people, raising aware people work, I talk all the time about just witnessing. Like when, when that happens and you get that shitty feeling, you don't have to do something with it. You don't have to then turn around and like, yeah, but I didn't mean that. Or I didn't, mm. you know, like chill, chill, just yeah. chill, just be with it. That's something that's useful for me in any relationship, not just related to the girls and raising aware people, but in a lot of instances to just be with like how something made me feel so that I can get to that point, hopefully of recognizing this is actually an opportunity. And if I do want to be in right relationship, meaning that both of us feel included and valued, then how else will I get to that? Yes, absolutely. And that's the problem with using defense and attack, <laughs> is you just deny yourself the chance to learn, to grow. Yeah. That's another aspect of those same feelings that we get when we're being called out is actually really useful so that when we do speak to our children, we can say, I, you know, I know how you feel. I've been there. I've done that. And it's okay. Yep. It's what you do with that feeling. So how is all of that landing for you? What are you feeling through as you're listening to this? You know, this is a podcast that one of the many benefits is that you can pause this. You could just pause it if you need to, to really be with something that might be offering you an opportunity to grow into these things that you've been sorting out when it comes to how you want to show up more for the young people in your life, how you want to show up more for your mirror, for yourself. I need to be reminded of the the importance of pausing to process something 
really allow space for that. And so I'm going to offer this here because maybe you need that reminder too. Another reminder is to visit the show notes page, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 102. Related links to this episode will be there. Also some other opportunities. So make sure you check out that page. Another reminder, (laughs) the Liberation and Education Summit is February 2nd this year, Clarkston, Georgia. I will also put the link to that on this show notes page. Such an important event. I really encourage you to get to Clarkston, that's Metro Atlanta, Georgia, or to donate so that someone who's here can afford to go. So much of the type of conversations that we have here are echoed and expounded upon at the Liberation and Education Summit. I know because I've been to it, and I definitely think it's a great place for you to invest some time and energy. Let's go over now to the last bit of my conversation with Zakia Ismail, my friend, good people. Man, our conversation just kind of naturally went over towards values, right? When you think about (laughs) some of the ways that we use tools of oppression ourselves or that we've been oppressed, they've often been under the guise of keeping up with certain values. So our conversation went there. Listen in to that. Values. And we were like just both nodding around this idea that, especially when it comes to raising free people, raising aware people, we are so clear that as parents, there are certain values that we want to impart. This is not even about like societal pressure or whatever. It's like, of course I want to impart. Yes. Yes. But we run the risk of value abuse. Like real talk. Because... That's the whole point. Like, to what lengths will we go as parents to make sure that by the time you leave my house, I mean, I say that with so many things with the girls, by the time you leave my house, I just want to make sure that ellipses. So like the question is, to what lengths will I go to ensure, which you really can't, Mm. spoiler alert, you can't ensure, you can ensure exposure, right? But you can't ensure that they adopt those values and take them on as their own. So to what lengths do we go? And like, what is the cost of us trying to, you know, impart these values? So that's the first major question. What is the cost? Yes. And then the second question is, is it worth it? Boom. Yeah. Is it worth it? I think values is a really tricky one because it really defines so much of what we do, how we do, how we relate to people. And it's so powerful in terms of how we can abuse it. (laughs) How do you argue against good value? (laughs) Exactly. And you're using it in a very oppressive way. And then there's also like this whole history of what are values and, you know, universal values. Do they actually exist? You know, so it's a tricky one. It is. Yeah, it is. One thing that I have to use a lot is like, who am I to say? specifically as it relates Mm. to my kids, because that's usually the one place where it's like, I am the person to say. Mm. It's really good. A good disruptor for me is, who am I to say? Like, I don't know her life. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah, And that might sound funny. That might sound like, what do you mean? Who am I to say? But, but, you know, be with that. Because really, who am I to say I can offer Right. We talk about strewing and there's lots of strewing abuse as well. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. We find our ways in raising three people <laughs> to 
on the layers of manipulation. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So we're going to talk a lot more yeah. about that. <laughs> I mean, I think the values, that word values, at some point, Kamil hated it. Mm. It's like he almost felt like, I don't want to have any values if having values looks like what you're doing <laughs> right now. Or he'd say to me, those are your values. And I just couldn't take it. Yes. I could not accept it. Yeah. I'm learning. I have used the idea of values to make him do what I wanted. Yeah. Or act in a way that I wanted. Even though it was well-intentioned, there was a cost. Breakdown in trust, breakdown in connection. And I have to honestly say it wasn't worth it. I'm trying to think of when things, when I did something that was worth it. And even when it is worth it, it was actually, it could have happened anyway without that. Without that action, yeah. yes. Same here, because the tactic that I use, what what values cushioned was like fear-based, a lot of fear-based things. Yeah. If you don't do this, then that. Mm. Again, well-intentioned. It wasn't just like shit that I wanted. It was stuff that felt like it was connected to my children's safety, you know, or, you know, identity, which is right up there with mm. that one for me. It was never worth it. There was never a time that I can look back and I'll keep thinking about it. Yeah. I'll keep thinking about it. But so far, there isn't a thing that I can think of where I'm like, well, you know, now she's like this. Yeah. I didn't have a means to do it in a way that was actually about liberation work. And so I just did whatever the hell. And now it's liberation work in hindsight because I can say, okay, here's exactly what you just said. Here's how that broke down trust. Yes. Here's how I showed up very differently than who I'm saying that I want to be in their lives. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about, I think people sometimes conflate trust with harmony, like, oh, we're all happy and they're happy and I'm happy. My children would tell you that is not my focus. Yes. That is not my focus. Still, I recognize the ridiculousness that I do couched inside of this idea of values values as a caribbean person values as a that shit no Mm. (laughs) but that's why i think these discussions for me are so important because in all those moments there was nowhere to go look i even struggled to find the language to ask i didn't even know how what would i say you know it just was a very painful process of me breaking down relationships with my children four things I believe very strongly in. And they're not about, you know, dress styles and that. It's about people's lives. Yes. You know, at the cost of my... And and they don't need to be in conflict. It's just how I was dealing with it. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that we accept that a lot of raising free people, raising aware people work right now is exploratory and does have a very much like a hindsight. (laughs) It's hindsight heavy Mm. um, at the moment. Right? Yeah, yeah. But and I'm key. I really am keen to hear from others who found ways to deal with specific issues. Me yeah. too. Because there won't be a formula ever. Mm-mm. That's why we need yeah. all the bits and pieces. Yeah. So y'all make sure if email is more your thing, or you know I'm on Instagram, fear the free child, DM me. Because it now has a voice thing. Did y'all see that? Did you see that? You I can do voice. I haven't tried it, but I did go and look. I'm so happy. Yeah. I've spoken to so many people now who I just had their shit just sitting in the queue because I'm like, oh, I'm going to type all the things on mm. Instagram. So you could DM me on Instagram as well. All of Zakia's contact details are going to be on the show notes page. 
So just make sure that you are checking in with us because we also want to hear your specific examples yeah. of ways that this raising free people, raising aware people work is showing up for you. Not necessarily your solutions, but examples as well. I'm super curious. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Head over to growingminds.co.za or ZA if you're in America. Because Zakia talks a lot about the nuances inside of raising free people work beautifully and then also shares through the conference and the work she does with her conference, the perspectives of other people, people we can read and listen to in the middle of a moment or while a moment is coming on or after a moment, after you've apologized. So there's some resources in the mix and more to come, y'all. Next week, depending on how I'm feeling, I haven't finalized it yet. I'm going to a talk that I'm super duper excited about called My Education, My Liberation. That's on the 26th. So I haven't gone to it yet. And it is a conversation on the freedom of education through the lenses of self-directed learning, what freedom in education looks like, and how we can create liberatory spaces in ourselves and our communities. No. You know, you now they talk in my language. Now you talk in my language. So yeah, I'm going to be at that. And so next week's episode may be some snippets and feel throughs of that or something else that I'd already slated before I um, remembered about this, this event. Anyway, much love. All right. I will talk to you next week. Peace.